0: You are listening to a production of the Toe Network. This is Laser Knees number 83, Sacrifices. I'm Elif.
1: And I'm Sono, and this is Thief Sentai Lupin Ranger versus Police Sentai Pot Ranger, episode 47, What I Can Do Right Now, and episode 48, Face Beneath the Mask. Our writer for both was Komura Junko. Our director for both was Watanabe Katsuya.
0: And, uh, Hot Dang. <laughs> Just Hot Dang. Um, why don't we, you know, get beyond hot dang, and uh, why don't you start us off with uh, some some overview thoughts on the episode, Sono?
1: Okay, just just a little thing, because I know we've talked a lot at length over the course of this show about how Noel, as a character, should not work. How, on paper, you and I should both hate him.
0: Oh, just despise him. But
1: somehow in execution, he's just so dang lovable that I think he's kind of our favorite. Or definitely up there.
0: He's up there, yeah.
1: We both love him.
0: Yes, And I've absolutely.
1: made no secret of how much I do. And y'all can bet that after 47, I was beside myself for a full week about his potential fate. Because especially Shame. in this post go era of Sentai, the Sixth Ranger is never safe. We've done a lot of killing the Sixth Ranger from Go-Busters to present. So I was worried. I was very afraid.
0: No, same. Because I didn't, I didn't want to watch that nice boy die. No.
1: And I just, I really want to commend both Komura on the writing and Motoki Seiya on acting. For taking a character that's just so surface level goofy and high energy and like weird and managing to make him so lovable to the point where the idea of him being hurt or killed is kind of too much to bear. Mm. But I do remember that Komura was heavily involved in Ikari Guy's episodes and she and Ikeda Junya kind of pulled off the same miracle with him.
0: Yeah, because who, Ikari guy at the start was uh, a lot, bit of an ask. Yeah, but I'm I'm just glad to see that she's got the gift for making the the most flamboyant of number sixes or extra heroes or however you want to call them just really sing. It's a it's uh, a talent. However, yeah, it is. It is because who that <laughs> they're always such a fine line. Because sometimes you get Noel, and sometimes you get President Hot Wings.
1: Yeah. And uh,
0: you, you don't, you don't want to do President Hot Wings. Because, I mean, the guy who plays him, very good. He's doing the best he could with what he got, but mm, he ain't got much.
1: Delightful person. Sweet guy. Um, Not a good character. No. Not fun no. to watch. Not his fault, but...
0: Look, he did the best he could with what he had, but...
1: <laughs> he d- didn't have a lot to work with.
0: Yeah. Uh so on that note, let's just let's get into the bad things these episodes. So we can get them out of the way and, and put some thinks out there.
1: Okay, so I'm so mad that Gauche and Zamigo are the same kind of sadistic bananas, but it's not until this point in the show that we've had them bouncing off of each other. Because they've got yeah. such great energy and chemistry, and the show has absolutely wasted that by never having them interact until now.
0: Yeah, Zamigo suddenly has a personality trait, and we could have been seeing like him and Ghosh be fun together this whole time. I realized that maybe that would have started hinting at the whole wearing the frozen people thing a, a little early, but... On the other hand, that would have created a little dramatic irony, give the audience something they know that the pe- that the heroes don't know and that creates a little extra tension. Yeah. It it would have been a lot of See, fun. The
1: thing is like I feel right. like I always had kind of an idea that that's maybe what was going on from the from like the moment yeah. where they introduce Gosh as wanting to like experiment on humans. Yeah, and you know, it's just you know, you don't think about it too much because the show never goes there. But you could, they could have easily gone there, and then this entire show, I would have been terrified for the point where Zamigo starts bringing out Aya or yeah, Kyrie's brother. Like I would have been anticipating that, and there would have been a lot of tension there. It would have been a great thing to do.
0: Yeah, you would have spent the entire show just like. It's the sword of Damocles over everyone's heads. When is this going to happen? And it, they didn't do that, and that's that's a missed opportunity.
1: I'm also not sure how I feel about the show kind of turning Umika around in regards to Sakia and kind of playing towards them being a thing. Yeah, and I feel like I wouldn't be bothered at all with how they are now, if it wasn't for those, like, couple of early Sakuya episodes. But I can't ignore that those existed. Like, even if I've come around on him, and I have, I like him a lot at this point, which is, again, very impressive.
0: That's saying, yeah. That was some doing.
1: But I can't, in the larger context, ignore the overarching picture that it paints of if you're persistent, eventually no will become yes. And yeah, that's super uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, not not here for it. Like, it's not as bad as it could have been, but that, that doesn't help because it just doesn't need to be there. Especially given how, for the last while, it's been, we've been talking a lot about how Umika is, like, barely out of high school. And, uh, hey, Sakya, don't. I know, I don't know how old Sakya the character is, but she's just out of high school, and you're like a professional in a career, even if it's legal, even if that doesn't trip the the uh, age of consent laws. I'm just like, if you're in your twenties and you're dating someone who's high school age, you just it. No, it's not cool. And that's on top of the as long as dude keeps being around. As long as you're a dude and you're just hanging around, you just get the girl you want' Because that is also a lot of a lot of gross stuff popping back up after it felt like we have moved past it i don't I don't like it I yeah just,
1: I just like I wish they could just be friends or that first part hadn't happened because I don't think no. I'd really mind I mean the the age thing bringing that up I'm like mm, yeah, that is a problem. It, it would, it just, it, like, it would oog me. Just, like, don't also, don't... Because I don't even think she's technically out of... Would technically be out of high school. Because yeah. she dropped out. Just have her, like, have graduated. Just yeah, just make her like, a little older.
0: Or just... There's, there's a lot of just weird things going on there. I'm just like, mm, don't love it. Don't love it. Because even... Honestly, though, even as he is now... I could see Umika warming up to him, it's just that that first bit makes her warming up to him feel real, like you said, just as as long as you're persistent, you get the girl, and And I'm sure there are people for whom that's true.
1: I love that his behavior has changed, and I love that there's positive reinforcement for that behavior changing, but I've seen a lot of things in life, and I just don't trust people.
0: Yeah, no, people- I've seen people take some incredibly weird messages from things that I took as incredibly straightforward and I'm just don't don't mess around with this sort of thing guys I, although I will say I guess in to sort of play against my own argument for I don't know like as as maybe this is where they're coming from it his interest in her and her interest in him Whatever form that takes, or if it's even interest, you know, the affection. There. We'll say the affection between them does make the whole bit of, Oh yeah, I'm totally the lupin. I'm totally one of the lupins. That makes that hit a little harder for him. Yeah, no, and so I mean I, I love kind of see that angle of why they, they leaned into it.
1: I mean I but... I like the the way that she now kind of has this affection for Sakuya. And she's like, Oh, he's He's this nice guy and I want to just, you know, get to know him as a person and, you know, maybe have friends outside this building, even on that level. And then, you know, the the weight that puts on her decision to reveal who she is, like, that's great, but there there's just some unfortunate stuff. Yeah. Which is a shame.
0: It really is.
1: Also this is a this is a little bit of a construction thing, but the the music sting when Kyrie and everyone is looking out the window and they see Zamigo walking by was super unnecessary and I think it really screwed up the tension because having because they just hear the whistle and there's no music and they run to the window and they see him walking by and you still hear the whistle, and if they'd just left it silent but for the whistling I feel like that would have been super ominous, but they put the music sting over his whistling and it like ruins the moment. Like just, just save the sting for when you cut back to them at the window and you no longer hear the whistling. It just, yeah, it ruins no, the moment. It
0: does. Cause his whistling is such a good hook for a bad guy who let's face it up to this point has been kind of bland a flamboyant presentation notwithstanding. Like, let him use that whistle effectively. You're, if he's going to be in the mystery box, you have to make his appearances big. If you're going to make... And that means, yeah, you you make the entire world shut down for his whistle. Why? Because that's how big he is in the plot. In the language of the show, his whistle cuts through all things.
1: I feel like that's how it was with Akira and the harmonica back in Tokyo, yeah. and that was done so well, because any time he was walking in, playing that song, you knew he was serious about some stuff.
0: And it lended that little extra smidgen of weight to, is this where I'm gonna die? Oh, oh okay. go Going hard, buddy. All right.
1: Akira was so good.
0: Yeah, he was.
1: God, he Manto he remains one show. of he remains one of if not my favorite sixth ranger. I can't. Uh, yeah, I can't offhand think of one that I like and think was done better.
0: I I can't either. I yeah. I mean I, i've seen I've seen a lot of villains that I think Zamigo is drawing from that I liked more and were done better. Yes, because uh, like a uh, Juzo in Shinkenger. Comes to mind,
1: Juzo. uh, he's, even he's Zett. so
0: very Juzo.
1: Even Zet, he's got kind of some Zet stuff oh. going on. A bit, yeah.
0: And yeah, he's kind of like a sloppy mixture, like a just a not great melding of those two. Which, like, look, that's no shade, because it's it's hard to put it's hard to put a new spin on weird mercurial. Not exactly aligned with the main bad guy. Bad guys. That's that's a tough one to do well. And I, in fairness, as we've mentioned, like Zamigo in these past couple episodes, I definitely warmed up a little to that frosty boy. But
1: yeah, it's but he's he's just been so wasted, and it's a shame.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So moving into forty-eight, I don't get why Kogure is just like. Nah, just forget Noel. we can get his stuff from the police. And Goody implies that he's just like this sometimes? If y'all bring Lupin back, which is still your goal, he brings up, like, we need to assemble the collection to get Lupin back. Like, how do you think he's gonna be if he finds out you abandoned his boy to die? You think he's gonna be okay with that, Kogure? That's his boy. You're killing his boy, Kogure!
0: You just, you had to do it. I did. I
1: did. It's, it's such a thing, like, in my vernacular that I can never use.
0: No, it's, it's fine. I, like, look, no, no shade. I too love Castle, uh, Netflix Castlevania.
1: I, lo- I just love that moment so much. But, like, I don't know. Maybe it's just because I was so scared for Noelle and there needed to be some kind of hesitation to give weight to the Lupin Rangers' decision to go. But it Kogure just being like, "No, you can't go after him." After there's been this big reveal that like he and I are one of the few descendants from this place, and that you know this is this tie that we share, and also like he's your boss's son. Like I don't, I just it felt very awkward and forced, and it just it didn't work.
0: No, I I'm right with you because even if they're was a thing where we do, like, ah, oh, yes, there's no room for sentimentality when saving the world, or, you know, whatever thing that tends to get shrugged off in Sentai, which is one of the reasons I love Sentai. Um, that's just not a thing we've seen Kagure be up till now. I-, I-, I, could, I could see it if they had done, like, Toma or Kairi pulling the others up short to be like, no, that wasn't the deal. The deal we made was... Even if the rest of us die, one of us gets there. He's gonna die. We have to get there. We have to go steal these from the. Like, I could see that bit as like the appeal to the vow they made, and then like, heck with the vow, we're gonna go save him because he's our boy. But it it just it doesn't work. It's it is a weird moment that, like you said, it, it's trying to artificially prop up the drama when it's already. Propped up. It's already pretty solidly there. Like we know so they're gonna. We know guys. we know they're gonna go. Yeah, just because they're they're not just thieves. They're lupins, and a lupin don't leave a man behind. He he says he will. He'll pretend he will. The chips are down. These guys are a lot close. Like Arsene Lupin was was a gentleman thief. That means he's an honorable thief. And frankly, an honorable person doesn't leave their partners behind. That's just not done. And then they're all—they draw so much on Lupin the Third. And you think Lupin even entertains actually leaving Goemon to die? He'll say he—he w- he will. He'll make a show of like, mm, I can find another samurai guy. But but uh, chips are down. Lupin's there, flat out. Why? Why? Why you playing, guys?
1: Speaking of weird bits that just didn't quite work, I'm a little confused as to why they just took the masks off because Dogranyo asked them to. Yeah, that was a weird bit. I mean, I get that they set up that it's this thing that's bothering Umika because she she's grown to care about the pot rangers and she doesn't want to lie to them. And that she she really likes this life of working at Jurare and having these regular customers that are her friends, and she'd rather reveal herself and throw away that potential life than lose Noelle the way that she lost Sheeho. And I get that. And the decision itself and seeing her make it was really powerful and really well done. But it's framed like they have no choice. And they do. Especially if they're just gonna transform into the full suits immediately after. Like, they could just say no and fight Gauche anyway, and the entire plan that they, that happens, cause they know the police are there, so they know the police are there for Noel. Like, so they know they're not just gonna sit there. Like, None of that required them to take their masks off. They could have just transformed and started fighting Ghosh, and then the Pot Rangers would go get Noel and it would be fine. Like I again, I get how the weight of the reveal affects things and the the kind of culmination of a character arc that it is for Umeka, but it feels like a weird setup for such a huge reveal.
0: Yeah, it really is. Cuz I could have sworn it starts with, like, DeGranio offering to just give back Noel, but we never get to that bit. Like, they take off, the, it's like, hey, take off your mask and I'll give you the boy, and they take off the masks and they never get to, all right, now give us the boy. I mean, like, if we're going to have Degrano if we're going to do a thing where DeGranio goes back on his word, like, they should highlight that fact. Hey, you said you let him go. Yeah, uh, that was a lie. I'm a bad guy, what's up? Uh... And then, like, you do a short thing about, like, you don't get his job if you're, like, you don't sit in his chair if you're dumb, or if you hold up your end of the deal, because, you know, he's a bad guy.
1: Well, the, the deal itself was, hey, take off the masks and defeat Ghosh. Like, defeat Ghosh with your masks off on live TV, and then I'll give him back. So, I guess technically he didn't go back on it, but... 'Cause the pot rangers took Noel back in the middle of the Gauche fight. Yeah. But I'm not sure why that was even part of the condition. Like they were gonna fight Gosh either way.
0: Yeah, that's I guess I guess it's it's uh I de will not stop you. Like Because he could.
1: He could have been like, hey, don't don't use your your Lupin Ranger suits. Like, I'm not gonna let her use collection pieces or the Franken-Guinea Pig. Y'all just fight it out hand-to-hand. Like, that would be one thing. But he's Like, the masks aren't any real part of their power. They just put on the Lupin Ranger suits, and it's fine. Like, have them beat Gauche first, and then be like, Hey, that was cool. I respect y'all. You beat one of, like, my top guys. If you've got the guts to take your masks off, I'll give you Noelle back. Like It's just, it's such a weird setup that felt like they couldn't think of anything better.
0: Yeah, it was really kludgy for, it's a shame because it was such, it was a really good moment, but. Oh yeah,
1: the the bit of them like pulling the masks off and taking the hats down in front of it. I wish, I wish Umika's had Umika had held hers a little more in front of her face so it covered like half her face. Mm. Uh, she didn't she didn't quite have it centered properly because she's got like the tiny hat. Um, yeah. and if if she just had it over just a little more, it would have covered the one eye, and I think that would have looked cool. Um, that would have looked pretty cool. But you know, I I feel like if it was like a manga or an anime, they would have had it that way. And it was just, you know, she can't really see exactly where the camera, the angle of the camera is going to hit that. And I think, I think it's what they were trying for. And, you know, she just, the, the angle wasn't right.
0: And look, they, they don't take a, they don't have a ton of time to do reshoots. Yeah, so like, I don't know how I many takes
1: it. were involved in that. And that was the best one. And it's fine. Um, just in, in spirit, I understand it. And the shots were great. It's just, it's a, the setup doesn't work, even if the payoff yeah. was amazing.
0: Which, like, you know, fair fair dues to them. It's impressive if they can do a payoff without a setup. That's true. But but still, like, mm, guys, come on. You're it better just, than
1: this. It really felt like they couldn't think of anything, so they're just like, let's just have Dogranyo say to take them off. But I guess I do appreciate that the decision falls to Umika, and you know, both <laughs> Kyrie and Toma trust her judgment on whether or not doing it there and then in front of the pot Rangers on television broadcast to the entire city country world. Yeah,
0: I guess whoever would care Broad- I mean, broadcast they- at
1: least to that city.
0: yeah, like at least everyone in Tokyo is gonna know those faces, yeah, even though a lot of time it's I have no idea who that is.
1: I mean like they did at least have some people recognizing them. So yeah, that was which something. Was fun. Um but both of them defer to Umika instead of, you know, the other two deferring to Kyrie the Red. Mm. And I think that was really nice.
0: It was really nice.
1: And then, you know, of course that shot with the hats and then, you know, they've got these little half-hearted smiles when they're fully revealed and where where are the thieves everyone's been talking about. And I know that we're not always ones for catchphrases here, but man, they really made that one count.
0: Yeah, I mean, look—if you're gonna have a catchphrase, you need to have a moment like that. I will give—I will give a moment like that. A hell yeah! Even if I generally am not much for the idea of catchphrases, because let's face it, most of the time in to bring it back to Q-Ranger, most of the time it's 98% of the times Lucky says, Yosha Lucky. It's just the way that... And the, then there's that one time. Yeah!
1: It's just, it's the way that the meaning of the word we changes with the context from, yeah, exactly. look at us, we're the, we're the Lupin Rangers to, yeah, it's the three of us. The three of, three us, of us are the Lupin Rangers. Yep. It's and it's so good.
0: Yeah, those little those little tweaks and inversions—that's the stuff I live for. Because uh, what's the point of of having the cool catchphrase otherwise?
1: Yeah, you gotta it's, make it count.
0: Honestly, that's a thing that Common uh, Rider could really stand to learn a bit more of. Yeah, because between the belts and everything else, it's. There's a lot of catchphrases that don't need to be in Common Rider. And if they're going to be there, they should have those moments. Or or the moments where it, like, becomes real. You
1: gotta make it mean something. something. I mean, yeah. for all that Ghost did wrong, I think that is one of the things that Ghost got right.
0: It, it did okay.
1: I feel like the way that they pulled it together with, you know, the final time that Takaru comes back from the dead... Like, yeah. the time when he comes back from being super dead. Yeah.
0: Instead of just mostly dead.
1: Like, instead of dead and a ghost where he's just, he's dead and should not be coming back but for the will of his friends who refuse to let him die. Yeah.
0: We ne- like, we've never got a great inversion on common Rider Decades. I'm just a passing through common Rider. Like, it's a good bit, and thankfully it's short and punchy enough that they don't really need a tweak on it, but still.
1: I think the reason that it worked is it's not something he would just say kind of at random. Someone would have to ask him.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So, I know the body horror is usually your thing, and not my thing, but I wish that Gauche ripping out her safe and shoving it into the horrifying guinea pig Frankenstein, had seemed more painful for either or preferably both of them. Because that's part of her body. And implanting safes has been such a big thing. Like, it's been such a process for her. That having her just, like, pop it off and stick it on Like, it was some kind of, like, Transformers combiner? Like, that seemed kind of weak.
0: No, it's true. Because, like, look, it's still a good moment, but it was potentially a great moment that was severely undercut by the lack of time or effort in selling it. Because, like, I have spoken before on these podcasts of my love of villains, for instance, stabbing themselves with things that are going to make them more powerful because look what's cooler than that in a villain and i'll tell you turns out that what's cooler than that is when they tear out their own a part of themselves and use that to stab something else that's like on paper that's beautiful but i mean you're right so she did just yank out her own friggin heart And that monster had a second heart stabbed into its existing heart. (laughs) Like a little more like effort or screaming or I'm not saying we get full on David Cronenberg, but if we wanted to, I wouldn't say no. But just just a little more effort and shoving and screaming to highlight that this is her final uh, middle finger to goodness and niceness and decency and justice, you know? She's, she is making, she's taking one of her already horrific guinea pig monsters and making it even more horrifying. Let's, let's make a show of how horrifying she's making it. Yeah! Let's go Superman 3 with that mess.
1: you know, make it seem like it hurt.
0: Yeah. Just, just a good from hell's heart I stab at thee, like, Primal hatred thing. Just, just in case any of you were wondering, hey, is Ghosh both a super scientist and incredibly evil? Just in case you were wondering, she's both of those things. I yeah, it 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 did undercut it. It could have been a lot more horrifying, and I kind of wish it was. Ah. Uh. Honestly, I just want to go on the record, I love tokusatsu body horror so much. Like, you don't get a ton of it, and I understand why, and I'm not like, oh, let's make these children's adventure shows for me, a guy pushing 40. (laughs) But at the same time, I like when it happens, and I like when they can work that in. But just, man... I, I like it because when they do it, they do it really freaky because these guys know how to do some practical effects on a low budget. Because a lot of places just do not. They're trying, but they're not very good. Anyway, speaking of not very good, let's get into things that actually were good, if not very good. Hopefully some of them were very good. Some bits I think were great. Anyway, let's, let's get into the good stuff, so no start us off.
1: Okay, so as much as I'm not generally particularly fond of the let's spy on the girl on a date trope, I appreciate that at least when Kyrie brought it up, he was being really facetious and sarcastic, and then when Toma actually wants to do it, he's like, wait, no, actually, I didn't mean that. That's a bad idea.
0: Yeah, no, and of course he doesn't. kyrie has got better things to do than spy on someone on a date. Like maybe he's gonna find another home for a puppy, cause uh, or check up on the puppy he did find a home for. Yeah, cause I want to know how that puppy's doing.
1: Yeah, no, tell me more about that puppy. But also, like I at least appreciate that it's not the plot of the whole episode, and it's just sort of a means to an end for the larger end game story that's happening.
0: Yeah, cause ugh, oh, that would have been some frustrating watching, especially this late in the game. Yeah. Though I do appreciate that it does set the precedent that all of Sakia and Umika's dates are cursed by just the, the way the date actually got going. Actually, I just want to expound on that for a second. Because I just realized the first time they went on a date, that was because Umika wanted to get some dirt on him and what the Pat Rangers are up to. And this one is... The date is happening because Sakia wants to. Well, he doesn't want to get dirt. He wants to get an alibi, undirt, on what Umika and her friends are up to. I just realized that's actually a really clever parallel. It is. Good job. Sorry, I. I'm sure that's very obvious to everyone else. No, I didn't. I, I didn't. I
1: didn't. I completely forgot about the context of their first date. That's a good turnaround.
0: Yeah. Good. Good on you, Kamura Junko. <laughs> like, you, there, there are times where you're like, oh, I'm not sure how much thought is going into this. That is a thing that is, yeah, you don't get there without putting some work in.
1: I also am incredibly fond of the joke about the food being good, but not better than Toma's, and then Toma gets a little <laughs> flustered over it.
0: I mean, understandable. He's, he's, he's a guy who takes pride in his craft. And he's like, why, why are you even bringing me up? No, this place can't get close to me. I am Toma. Like, I just, I dig on his pride in his non-Sentai-related craft as a character trait. He, he's...
1: Every time he gets a little moment like this, I'm reminded of how much Komura was involved in Joe in Gokaiger. And I can just, I can feel her channeling Joe into Toma.
0: I mean, look, if you're gonna channel someone, there's there's worse guys to go with. Joe is a favorite in all of Sentai. Just of, of Sentai members. It's
1: it's true, and I mean, like, he's in good company. Like, the Joe-style blues of the sort that are, like, emotionally distant, but also very emotionally needy, and won't admit it. You know, in, in the vein of Joe, and Hoji, and Retsu, and, uh... The well, one from Abba Ranger Yukido Yukido is his name like those tend to be my favorite of the blues mm. like, it's just it's such a good sort of character.
0: no it really is because they they've got all those different dimensions to them on the surface, and you don't have to you don't have to introduce a lot because everything they do automatically becomes kind of more because. They have these very simple needs they need, but they also won't ask about them. Which is kind of frustrating, but also, yeah, it makes perfect sense. I get that kind of thing. It's just,
1: every now and then, Joe would, like, do something in the background where he'd, like, react to the way someone says something, and I'm like, oh, you're feeling things. You're you're starting to feel more comfortable because you're allowing yourself to react to these people. It's like, that's character development, and Toma has a lot of that, and I love that
0: about him. I mean, I think it's it's worth saying, The what's our biggest complaint about him? We want more.
1: Yeah. I want to know about his, like, delinquent teenage years.
0: Because it's it does feel pretty clear that he's got him, which I'm all about.
1: Yes! And to be honest, Saki is pretty good at, you know, interrogation and information gathering. And it's a shame that's another skill they never really played with for him. I mean, I guess if they had that episode with Tsukasa and the good gangler, wouldn't have made much sense as to why uh, Sakia would have been bad at, inter- at interrogating him. But as much as I loved that episode... I'd absolutely sacrifice it to get rid of the early stains on Sakia's characterization and give him some actual people traits.
0: Yeah, same. Because, like, look, I really do dig on that. Not even just, look, I just want to say I do love that aspect of the whole scene. Because I like saying that, on top of his kind of earnest and naive bits... Sakyos can also be very competent. He can be straightforward and serious and even a little devious. But only when he's trying to prove someone's innocent. When he's after guilt, he's a clown, as we have seen. But when he's trying to question someone to get things to prove they're on the level, he's got their back. Like, that's less than ideal in a police officer. Because, like, how often is he going to be arresting someone he thinks is innocent? But it's, one, it's nice to see that he's got the concept of of how to do the stuff well, and two, it makes me want to see a thing where he's, like, talking to someone who has been a victim of a crime. Because I bet saki would be really good at that. Because he can get all of the pertinent information without, like, badgering someone who's just been through some stuff. And I, I admit, like start of the show, Sakia, I would not be okay with him being around a victim of a crime, especially if that victim of a crime was a lady. But just generally, but now I'm like, actually, I he'd be a good person to talk to if if something bad had just happened to you. Which is that is a weird turnaround on that guy. I gotta say.
1: Yeah, it's. He's He has the potential to be this really fascinating character, and it's a shame that the early show was not good to him.
0: Yeah, it really is. Poor guy. Poor, poor guy.
1: Also, this is a little goofy thing, but I really love Keitra being like, Noelle, scared of Big Knife? Gonna break Big Knife!
0: I mean, look, that's that's proper. Also, like... Given how much more common knife based crime is probably is for Japanese police, I, I think that that just makes a little more sense for them to go with too. Probably got a lot more tactics about, hey, let us get that knife out of the out of the out of the question here.
1: And honestly, like seeing those two fights going on simultaneously, where the the Pot Rangers were fighting Gosh and the Lupin Rangers were fighting Zimigo. That was really cool. Mm-hmm. Especially since both sides were so outmatched, like it just kept ramping up the tension of like how are they going to get there? And it it makes me wish there had been more episodes where there were two kind of entirely separate things going on that co- sort of converged upon each other at the end.
0: Yeah, agreed. I mean, like I, and saying that, we I think it's safe to say we both recognize how difficult that would be to do, but boy, you see them land it, and wow, did they land a lot of stuff they shouldn't have been able to land in these two episodes. It was It was just glorious, and it'd be such a cool way to highlight that they are these two separate, though not entirely unrelated, teams, on top of just the excellent drama and the fun camera work that is involved in bringing these two fights together.
1: Yeah. And, like, seeing the building that Ghosh was attacking and then all the people in it just trying to avoid getting hit by the big laser knife and just, like, screaming and running and dropping to the floor, like, that was terrifying. And I feel like it's been a while since we've put faces to like, the unnamed masses caught in collateral damage of a boss fight.
0: Yeah, it has been a bit, and I love when they do it. Because, like, look, I understand that because this is a fantasy genre, you're going to spend most of the time just doing everything explodes, and it's okay because we don't see anyone get hurt. Like, in the robot fights, when buildings get knocked over, or used as cover for when a giant alien monster guy is shooting at the building which like if you stop and think about it as anything but oh hey there's a robot taking cover behind a convenient wall that's horrifying but you don't think about it because you're not asked to but when they make you think about it it is like the conflict becomes that much more massive and important because hey hey guess what the heroes are not the only ones in trouble here. And it's great. Yeah, and it just I it,
1: love it, it makes it all the more powerful when we see that what stops the beam is Kero, guardian of the people, throwing himself directly in front of it, so she can't kill these people in a building.
0: Yeah, dude. Cause man Kro's the best. He's like, he started out and y- and you know, you were kinda of worried he's just gonna be the screamy guy. But no, he had that arc all about how, hey man, you're letting your hatred of crime get in the way of protecting people. And to his credit, he's getting past it. And like just I I love that dude. He's the he he's the best dude on this show whose name isn't Good Striker.
1: Yeah. And I'm so glad they doubled back on when back a handful of episodes ago, Keitra was like, no, Noel, we're gonna save you because you're a fellow human being. And how much that meant to Noelle. And I just, I absolutely lost my mind when Keitra was like, no, but we're not, I don't care if you're not human, we're not gonna let you die now either. Because, I mean, like, look, we're in the last handful of episodes of Ascentize, so y'all can pretty much assume that I'm just crying 100% through every episode. That's just how it is
0: but that's that's just what these shows do when they do it well when they're when they're made well you just you spend the last episodes crying yes just what it's how it is
1: but just an affirmation of humanity over being human is always gonna just tear me right to shreds
0: yeah it's good and it is it is important because being a person isn't something that should be contingent on flipping anything and just with how often in this this kind of awful world of ours it becomes contingent on things is awful. So every time you see someone, especially on like someone in these shows that are cultural institutions just saying like, No, man, like I don't care what I don't care what you are. You're a person. We got your back. That's mwah, beautiful.
1: And then just how flippant Gauche is about it. And just being like, yeah, yeah, wrap it up, we gotta go. Um, It it just, it makes her feel all the more cruel and evil. And it's such a dang effective moment for her. Which is really impressive. Because it's a really brilliant bit of writing to be able to use one really, really strong moment to make another moment also really, really strong in a completely different way.
0: Yeah. Like it is, like we we mentioned earlier on that Kamura Junko is is kind of rocking it in these episodes, and that moment was, oh hey, we have Kamura, you can at least save his soul, Junko back, which, like, I'm not saying she ever entirely went away, but yo, that episode where Joe had to go fight Barazorg back in Gokiger, and. After he finds out, oh yeah, Berazorg was my best friend and mentor, and the only thing I can do is release him from their service, and by release him from their service, I definitely mean kill him. Like, it was that kind of moment, just with a very different emotional resonance, of course, but that kind of power. I swear, unless things get real, just colossally messed up with the ending of Lupot, which... I'm not saying I think that's likely. It could happen, but I mean, they'd really have to work at it at this point. I am just, I am so eagerly awaiting whatever her next serialized adventure series is after this because she just, she's just back to nailing those moments because look, I, I'm guessing Oger it there's a learning curve to being a showrunner, you know, I get it, but this one's just roaring back. Pedal to the metal. I'm loving it. And speaking of good moments, the very next bit in this in this scene, where it's it's Gosh, like no, I can kill all of you. It wouldn't even be hard. You cannot stop me. Give me give me Noel, and you can live. And just Noel, just like no, guys, I got it just he gives that smile to Keichiro and the rest as he just heads off to give up his life for the rest of his crew like that's that was real good <laughs> like i feel i feel weird putting it that way cuz like when next we see him he'll be tied to a cross and it's like i'm not sure if they're intentionally making me connect noel with uh the figure of Jesus Christ but it kind of happened but for once in a way that is not like both obvious and a little bit offensive uh, it's just it's just the way he smiles as he basically signs up to get an extended autopsy while he is still alive from everyone's favorite sadistic scientist it's just it's a good moment God, it's,
1: he's a very good actor
0: yeah he brings exactly what you'd need to bring to that scene which that's a tough scene to nail honestly like the number of and I'm sorry to go on a, on a brief tangent but the number of times I have seen characters who feel like they are embodying some aspect of of the Christ, of the Christian figure of of Jesus Christ um And do so in a way that makes me think of that, but doesn't directly recall it or do it in a way that feels blasphemous is very impressive to me. The other one, of course, being uh, Gento Kisaragi in Kamen Rider Forze, who is betrayed by his friend and murdered to death, then comes back from the dead to forgive the person who killed him. Like, that's a very uh, Jesus of Nazareth sort of thing to do, but you'd never, like, it's not in the show presented that way, which, look, I've just seen a lot of Superman media where they keep trying to talk about how Superman is a direct allegory for Jesus and it's just, it's bad and lazy and bad and also lazy and a thing a hack does. Um, But then here's Noel, who, again, gives of his life that others may live and then is tied to a cross when next we see him. Like, and he's just, he's doing that and it it doesn't feel cheap because I mean one I know that the Japanese have a very different cultural relationship with the concept of being crucified than than we do because uh, that was a thing I believe Tokugawa did near the near the end of 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 his thing uh, when he was very serious about how Japan was going to be run like if you use too much wood this is what we do to you anyway um. That's, that's, like, my half-remembered bits of history filtered through my pop-cultural lens. Let's just move on before I make an absolute fool of myself with these things that I only sort of get.
1: So moving in, into 48, um, I love how Dugrano just refers to Noelle's ancestors and this entire race of people as just some guys who used to live here. As if, you know, one day they just left to try something else. Instead of, you know, him deliberately murdering them all. Like, God, what a good villain. He's evil. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. And then just, like, Noelle being like, okay, well, tell me, just like, why why did you go after the Lupin collection? Why did you kill Arsene? He's just like, oh, well that guy, he had some stuff I wanted, so I took it. Just the absolute triviality of everything makes him so menacing. It's just, it's that Street Fighter, for me it was Tuesday, and like, I'm such a sucker for that.
0: Oh, same hat, dude, same hat. Because, like, it is saying something for him to to be a villain that we're going to remember. When we reflect on the fact that the dude in this series has only left his mansion once, and I think been out of his chair maybe four times in the entire run of the series, and even that time he left his mansion, he he just turned around and went home almost immediately, because he was completely unimpressed by what was going on. Like, he should not work. But he's just, he's so, like you said, he's so evil and super villainously evil, but he's also very human in his evil. And that makes him both better and worse, you know, better in the way he's more engaging to watch and worse because, boy, he's really evil. Because the ways in which his his evil is human, he's he's petty. He's dismissive. He's callous. He's every dictator or mob leader or blithely, violent politician just rolled into one with just this smidge every now and again, this little glimmer of something in him that you could almost begrudgingly respect. Like when when Destra goes and he's just he's in a foul temper. But he still, like, he pours one out into a glass for his dead homie. Like, hey, on top of being this evil, sadistic, genocidal maniac, he's also like, ah, but my boy's dead. Ah, they killed my my dude. They killed the guy I thought was going to be number two. Ah, I'm so upset. I'm just, I'm going to pour one out for him. Because I wish he was here. Like that moment makes the bit where he's like, "Why did you kill my dad?" Oh, um, he was there. <laughs> I I was in a mood. I so I tore him apart because <laughs> he had some cool
1: stuff, and I yeah. wanted the cool stuff.
0: Why didn't you just like hurt him and take the stuff? Yeah, but then he might try and take it back. It's really dumb to leave someone alive. Duh. Like, it's, like you said, it's, it's how just, for me, it was Tuesday. Like, it's, I, like, I imagine the only reason he remembers killing Arsene Lupin was, oh right, that's, that's who, he had all this stuff. I've killed a lot of people. Thankfully, the guy you're talking about had all the stuff I like. Otherwise, I just, mm. man, remember when he killed one of his own dudes? Because his dude was just like, hey, boss, watch this. I'm going to wreck these fools. Son, you can't wreck nothing. I'm just going to wave my little finger and wreck all y'all. Now I'm going home because you suck. But boss, right, kill him. <laughs> now I'm going home. Like, I love to grind you so much. He's really good. He is.
1: Speaking of good, I love how Goody can just bypass a locked door. I mean, I know that Good Striker is an amazing thief in his own regard, but like, he didn't even have to try. He's just like, mm, nope, gotta talk about Noel, gotta open this door. Don't have hands and the door is locked, but I'm doing it anyway. Like, he's just so good that all doors open for him.
0: I mean, look, I gotta say, if I was a door and Goody needed to pass, like, I just, I let him through. I don't care how many locks on me, I'll pull him back myself. I mean, he's a good striker, y'all. He's the goodest of all the boys. Honestly, again, on char- speaking of characters who should be a tough sell, like, a weird flying race car who calls himself good striker, that should be a really hard sell.
1: He should, but also he kind of reminds me of Burka. And- I, Okay, yeah. Like he's he's got the same energy as Burka. And I love Burka. <laughs> and like the fact that he's the only one that's alive, or like the only one that's like actively sentient. Like that helps because post goanjur they seem to have forgotten how to do that with multiple things. They did it great in goanjur any other time it's happened, if there's more than like two of them, it's a problem. Cause Kiva Kiva was okay, especially even after Tatsulot happened. Um, but but there's only two of them, and I don't there were very few times that both of them were there at the same time. I think because Kiva just didn't have the budget to have both of them <laughs> flying around.
0: No, they yeah. They didn't want to give Keith a lot of money.
1: But like, Drive 100% screwed it up. Yes. They told me each and every one of those cars was alive, and then those cars never did anything. Where are goodies like all over this show. He's always there, always flying around, always doing something. They've always got him in someone's hand gesturing him around. Like, they make him work. He's a character in this
0: show. He is. He And he's an important character. Because he's a good boy. He is. He's just a good dude. And then sometimes when he's sad, he likes to go to the playground and, and swing on the swings with his little jet propulsion.
1: I have a little good striker on my desk that I've just been, like, telling all of this to as we're recording. <laughs> just so he knows that he's the goodest striker.
0: He is. He really is.
1: Also, I can't believe even with how long we've known Noel isn't human, that we never got that he just couldn't use the other Versus vehicles. Like, the no only people. ones he could use were ones he modified specifically for himself, or I don't know if maybe he just built the trains for himself, and they're not like proper collection pieces I, or something, I don't know.
0: I think we saw Lupin give them to him. I could right, be wrong. He gave
1: He gave him, like, the train gun.
0: Yeah, but okay, yeah. With the, the little train. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't
1: know. But maybe it's just you know he modified them for use on himself instead of for use by humans. Like that's why he couldn't use Cyclone along with his own stuff in forty seven, even though Kyrie had given it to him specifically for that purpose. Like that's such a good detail, and I can't believe we didn't catch it.
0: No, same. Same. It's it's a real clever bit and also one subtly realized because, yeah, especially after we see how dedicated an engineer he is. So I just sort of took him as like making or modifying or otherwise preferring the trains and just he never bothered to make a compatible thing. But yeah, it's just it's a subtle bit and I really enjoy it. Noel, again, Noel shouldn't work. He
1: shouldn't, <laughs> yeah. but he does. So I know he's a- we're not you, John's amigo, though we're we've been coming around in these these episodes. But his like excited little clapping, like his his excited tiny claps at the identity reveal being broadcast, was absolutely
0: precious. Oh, it really was. Like, it I'm, really like I like seeing how engaged he has become.
1: Like I'm I'm so mad that he's been winning me over. Now that he's been like here constantly doing stuff. Because why haven't we just been doing this the whole time? You and I would have loved this guy. Oh, yeah. And I know we keep going back to Komura and working on Gokaiger, but Zamigo's got some of that Tabasco ghost pepper going on, and that shouldn't work in his favor for me, because I can't stand Bosco. But it does! Like, it's the same thing. He's got that Bosco energy to him where he's like, he's weird and nebulous and not really in it for anyone, but himself and to have a good time. And I'm just, I'm so mad that we haven't had more of him in the show before now.
0: Especially if this is going to be the guy he is. Cause yeah, he would have been a great counterpoint to old spicy boy. We could have had the frosty boy. Cause he Here's the thing, like, just as you're into DeGranio, like, I'm into DeGranio as a character in ways that I never could be for Guinness back in zhuo because because De DeGranio is into this. He's excited for this thing he's doing. Like, so too is Amigo. His love of being evil is infectious. You're happy for him. He, while, while he's, you know, preparing to do whatever evil. Because he's so into it, and he's so there, and it's so engaged, and he's got his own whole thing going that only sort of dovetails with the Gangler organization at large. But mostly it seems like he just likes finding ways to hurt Kairi. Which, like, look, as far as supervillain motivations go, I'm I'm okay with it. I swear, if dude could have been around longer, we could have had an arc where he developed, like, a hate on for Keiichiro, or one of the other Pat Rangers as well. Honestly, I think Sukasa would be a great target for his ire, not for nothing. Just saying. Because, but look, even even if we only focus on the Reds, Keiichiro could, like, he is good enough to deserve to be to have the personal enmity of a supervillain. He's, he's good enough, he's smart enough, and doggone it, he's a good red.
1: He is, and I'm proud of him.
0: Yeah, same. Same. Also, okay, in this episode, it's, it's not the thing I love the most, which is a full-on no-helmet roll call, but we did get the Lupins doing a no-helmet transformation sequence that was pretty great.
1: It was very good. It was like, a very good iteration on their transformation.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's not one happening in the final episode yet, though. I hope that they and the Pat Rangers get one. But uh, if just, only just one a full seven does, the Pat Rangers,
1: just a yeah, full seven, no helmet roll call.
0: That is that is the dream. That is what I want most in this world because those those moments get me so hyped. Admittingly, that could just be because my first Sentai show was Gokaiger, and the the no-helmet roll call on Gokaiger is the greatest thing, because especially since they all have like their own individual poses and stuff that they do, it it really adds, but I just, I love no-helmet transformations and roll calls. I was going to go further, but I better not, otherwise I'm going to be here all week.
1: The Patra and Yugo plan to have them, like, jump down and then split off to have kei take the hit while Sakia and Tsukasa branch off to get Noel.
0: that was yeah! brilliant.
1: That was a brilliant plan and a brilliant use of that power, especially with how underutilized it's been over the course of the show. Like, Komura's taking every single thing and putting it in this arc and making it count.
0: Yeah, I, um, I lost my, I lost my stuff at that one, dude. I, like, that was, that was good. And look, I just, I know I've been saying a lot of nice stuff about Catero, and here's where I just sort of, like, double down on it. I said a lot of stuff at the start of this show that I was just all, plain always going to be on the side of thieves and scoundrels, just a lot easier than the side of the police. But, uh... Just the aggressive, selfless heroism that Keichiro displays in things like that, where he knows, like, hey, I'm the middle bit, good. It's good that if, if I get hit, because I can take it. I mean, like, I don't really have favorite characters in this show, because, let's be real, even including Sakiya somehow, they're all good. Uh, but Keishiro is actually my secret favorite.
1: Look, I'm, I'm super upfront about how much I love him. I can't not be. He's just—he's exactly what he should be, especially now. Like that last shot in the episode where the Lupins all leave. He's not screaming about catching them or honoré Kaito or whatever. Or being betrayed by these people that he thought cared about him or that they lied. All three of the pot rangers, but especially Keichiro, are just, they're scared for these civilians that they care about. Who they know got dragged into this awful situation trying to save innocent people's lives. Because if there's one thing that Keichiro can respect, it's someone trying to save the lives of innocent people.
0: Man, he does, and again, I know I always bring this bit up, but it it is still formative in my love for Keichiro. It's not just that he respects people trying to save innocent people, he wants to save innocent people from even being inconvenienced by crime. Because, again, like yes, he started out, he's a decent red at the start, he's a good cop, and then there was that time, you know, when he dang near killed himself saving that rude kid's field trip. And that and again, that rude kid is like, "Hey, what's up, Pat Ranger? Uh I think Pat Rangers are cool now, not you though. You actually suck. I'm going to go hug the green guy." Like, dang. Kid is ice cold, but keichiro still showed up for him. Like there was that bit, like, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just not good with kids. I, I like them, but mm, you know, what can you do? Like that's <sighs> talk about a humanizing moment for a dude who started out just screaming. You know,
1: I love him. I He's, love him so much.
0: Like, like don't let's not get it twisted i also love the rest of the cast somehow even including sakia uh, yeah, a little less so of sakia but yeah, anyway but man keijiro has has so many of those moments of oh wait i suck or oh wait i'm powerless in this situation and yet i'm the person who has to take responsibility for it like that's that is an intense character it's to take it back to like american superhero stuff like on on the x-men cyclops so rarely gets any love because he's usually written like screaming cageiro. at his best he's written like this cageiro at this part of the show where he's he's just intense he's learned some stuff he's grown as a person it's I could just go on about how good Kaito is, and I suspect we should probably just save that for when the finale rolls around because uh, Kaito is going to going to come out pretty good in this.
1: Yeah. So one one last bit. Uh Degrano just with his arms full of collection pieces, <laughs> like that shouldn't have been hilarious, but it was. Like it, he's just doubt. he's just got this pile of stuff in his arms. He's like, okay, going home now, leaving Gush to die. It's it. There was something just kind of goofy about it, and I love it.
0: No, and I honestly I think that undercuts the horror. Like not undercut. It actually adds to the horror because yeah, he's he like first off, how are they going to let us know he's still got tons of these these amazing superpower enhancing things? Like yeah, just show that he does. It's it's really cartoonish, and also like it's a really good way to highlight the fact that yeah, look, he's out of mooks now, except for the porterman, but he's not any less dangerous. And also, he is this dangerous, even though he looks like just he's a clown with all this stuff and all these brightly colored gugaz in his arms, but he's he's still de Grano. and that is frightening. I love that. Also, just, if I can loop back for just a sec, because you you mentioned that bit where everyone is just looking sad because their friends are secretly the thieves and the VS vehicles have have flown away and to, like, destinations unknown because, hey, guess what? It's not like the Lupin Rangers can go home now. But, like, I mentioned Sakuya, and I just want to say, the thing I love with new Sakuya is that all his doofy earnestness and and how he's kind of this this not exactly a clown that's not fair but he's he's these this earnest and naive guy who really wanted this thing to be true, and then you see his reactions when the scale falls when the scales fall from his eyes and it's it's that much more powerful and then his friends come in to save him, but that whole that whole bit really starts with him just like breaking down and it's like i don't i don't take pleasure looking at old sakuya at saying like oh wow that guy is actually very good isn't he but uh i take pleasure in watching it so i'm gonna share that with all 'all. y'all
1: I also appreciate that, you know, that last shot where he just kind of breaks down. No one berates him for it. Yeah. Like, Tsukasa just goes over and puts a hand on his shoulder in solidarity, because even if, you know, she and Keitro can kind of hold it together better, she's like, yeah, man, I'm feeling that too. We're all right there with you, guy. And it's- It's honestly that kind of stuff that has always had me resonating with the pot rangers more than the lupin rangers. Because there are some great moments, but I've never quite felt that kind of solidarity between the lupin rangers that the pot rangers have.
0: That's, yeah. That's legit, dude. And do we have any other thoughts for the the main parts of the episodes?
1: Uh, no. I think that's it.
0: Yeah, they're just good stuff. Um, and speaking of good stuff, uh, let's take a look at the Lupin collection.
1: Okay, uh, Zemigo's new collection piece that he's storing on his butt, I guess, um, is a blue, snowy-themed version of the shuriken bit of the Chosetsu Shobu Changer from ninja which I don't know what that is, because I didn't watch that far in Ninja, but that's what... I looked it up, and that's what it is.
0: i yeah, I barely remember myself because boy, Nininger got some good moments, but overall, it's a very forgettable uh, it's
1: it's their upgrade thing,
0: okay, okay i just I just wish I knew what it was called because i I like looking up the the design crew or the naming crew's musical tastes, so I'm sure we'll get to, we'll find out what it's called eventually, but.
1: Yeah, if if we find out, we'll drop it in if we remember. Um, That's how we do. And then Gosha's big new fancy knife is—I
0: love that just giant knife.
1: Uh, it is made from a collection piece based on Biako Shinken, which is Kiba Ranger's living mentor sword from all the way back in Die Ranger. I and Biako is so good.
0: He is I was so
1: a- much better than Kiba Ranger.
0: All I know is. Uh- I was a kid in the nineties, so I recognized the hell out of that sword.
1: <laughs> yes, uh it is also, you know, Power Ranger's Saba Saber for the White Ranger and I love it. it it's a really just cool looking weapon. And also Biyako is so much better than Kiba Ranger.
0: Yeah, wasn't Kiba Ranger like a little kid who turned into the the
1: White Guy the White Ranger? Yeah, he's like 12. He just gets taller so no one realizes he's a child while he's yeah. fighting. Uh, and he's yeah, I, I, he's an awful child. He's an awful it, garbage child.
0: Oh, that's not fun. It, so he's he's basically like the previous iteration of that kid who made Kageiro, not made, but disrespected Kageiro that much. Yeah. Is that kind of bad.
1: Um He's very, very rude to, um, the girl.
0: Then I will assume that, yes, he's that bad.
1: He's, he's, he's awful. He's just unpleasant to watch.
0: That's a shame. Uh, the, the collection piece in question, uh, is called Cut the Cake, which is named for a funky little number, uh, by a band by the name of, I kid you not, this, I looked it up, this is not a joke uh the name of the band is average white band
1: at least they're honest
0: yeah it, they're not all white dudes either that's, oh
1: well good for them
0: i feel like i feel like that's part of the joke that may i don't i don't know enough about them i just know that cut the cake was number 10 on the billboard charts at one point in 1975 that's as much as i can really find
1: okay and also since i don't believe we ever talked about them, and Gauche is now out of the picture entirely. Uh, the, collection, the collection pieces that Gauche has been carrying over the course of the show are Get Big, based upon GoGo5's Tail Injector, which is part of their big combiner bird weapon, I think. Yep. Um, and Heal the World, which is based upon the binoculars mode of the Sogon Blade from GoBusters
0: feel like we might have mentioned heal the world because that's a michael jackson song and i feel like we've mentioned the king of pop here before but if not uh yeah heal the world was a song by michael jackson uh from the 90s uh and that's going to be in the as mentioned and i'm always always happy to bring in some michael jackson because man that dude could do some good songs that dude did a lot of good songs y'all heard thriller thriller's a good album
1: uh, it is very possible we talked about Heal the World when Gauche used it to reveal Noelle's identity to herself, uh, as the name rings familiar. But I can't remember if we did, so here it is just in
0: case. You know, better safe than sorry. Uh, the other piece uh, that you mentioned, uh, Get Big, which is like just a brilliant name given that that's what it does. It makes things get big. Um, I am not certain what it's, uh, referring to. I like to think that it would, was, like, referring somehow to, like, big time, which is much more in my, like, 80s roadhouse, but, uh, the most popular song I could find by the name, Get Big, uh, was a song by a gentleman called Duro, I believe that's how it's pronounced, uh and that's the one I'm gonna link. It's a much more contemporary, contemporary hip hop number that uh I don't know a ton about, I'm very sorry. But uh it's in it'll be in the as mentioned and uh listen at your own pleasure. Um so then I feel like that's that's most of what we got for this episode. Do we have any Last Minute Edition's final thoughts?
1: Um I'm real excited to see where we're going to land in the next couple of episodes.
0: Oh boy, yeah.
1: Because <laughs> everything's up in the air right now.
0: This is going to be a ride. Uh, so then, for Laser Knees and the rest of the Toll Network, I'm Aleph.
1: And I'm Sono.
0: And don't get kicked by and Die.